Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So we are here this week with Giant Size Heroes number eight, and we have so much news, and I am back, and I am exhausted from jet lag, but a happy, happy boy. Yay, welcome back, Cole. It was so much fun. And before we start in the news, I want to say that Tom Holland is Spider-Man. Like, in life, and I love that clip that came out of him defending that girl. We were just talking about it before air. For those who might not have seen it. There is a clip going around of Tom Holland going full New Yorker, and there's a bunch of I, – I am not one for autograph seekers. Uh, I think it's a really weird um, – if you do it, that's, that's your business. But I think it's a weird thing because a lot of times it's people like trying to get a signature to sell it, and that's a strange way to make money. Uh, so like a lot of times these hyper-aggressive autograph seekers push over the fans that want to meet these people or want to get autographs for themselves. And this happened in New York, and Tom Holland saw it happening and literally was like, if you push her one more time, I will throw all your stuff on the ground. And – Tom Holland is, like, the most nice. Like, when you see that boy, you're like, I didn't know he had that mode. He's a nice boy. And he wouldn't stand for this girl getting bullied, and she was like, I think I'm going to have a panic attack. And you see on camera her go, no, no, it's okay. I got you. I got you. And, like, he's making sure this girl feels safe. And it is – he's Peter Parker. And I just wanted to start off the show by saying it's the best. Uh, I got to meet him in London, and he is impossibly kind. And just – he's Spider-Man. And Zendaya is great. And Jacob Adelon's fantastic. Like, the cast is as lovely as you'd expect. And uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is the man. So, by the way, (laughs) anyone who's watched Heroes this week already knows this, but in case you have missed it, you did what? I went comic book shopping with Jake Gyllenhaal, and he is so invested in different lore and different culture. And he's such a nerd about theater and about acting and about movies that that translates beautifully into him wanting to know about comics. Stop saying words I love, He All of the words. And he wants to absorb it like a sponge. He's so invested. So when you're describing a comic, and I will just say Giant Size Heroes fans... A certain comic that gets brought up here a lot may or may not have been brought up on the show, and I may or may not have been saving it for this episode, and may or may not want to watch that episode of Comic Book Shopping when it drops next Tuesday because a certain comic that is also the name of a gaming console almost – nope, Sega wow, and Wow, that's a really interesting <laughs> – yeah. <laughs> I was like – you, my favorite comic, Nintendo. <laughs> yes, I do enjoy uh, an Atari comic. Uh, so <laughs> hey, it, Atari Force, as many people will oh, hey. constantly remind me, is a, a, a book that should be appreciated, and I have not tracked out those issues. I'm sorry. So an Eminem slant rhyme of a distri- <laughs> distribution model of a Genesis is uh, is brought up. So it was really fun, and I, I do have to say – 
it's great to talk to someone that is as successful as him that is still wanting to learn every moment. And that's what I think is great about acting is you're always learning and evolving. And Jake embodies that. He really just wants to glean all the information he can. And he's such a great person to talk to about comics. And I'm so proud of this episode. So check it out next Tuesday. And Far From Home, I cannot even talk about but see it the moment you can. I can say that if, if you don't have tickets yet, pre-order them. And if you can't get in the first night, stay off the internet and see it the second. It is just spectacular. And just side note, this was your first time in London, right? First time in London. How is London? Uh, the comic stores are great. Yeah. Uh, Orbital Comics I'm is... glad that you knew that that was my follow-up Oh, question. yeah. No, immediately. I was like, <laughs> I know where we're going with this. Comic stores in London. Uh, Orbital was fantastic. Uh, went to Forbidden Planet. Went to Gosh. Uh, Gosh is in Soho. And Soho is my favorite district, I think, of London. Uh, have you been? Um, I went very briefly to England many, many, many years ago, like in high school. So okay. I don't know it well. Assume I've never been anywhere. Okay. So Soho is kind of like my people. Uh, it's a little more like carny. It's a little more like it's got some flavor. Okay. Uh, whereas uh, London was very like business. It was a lot of suits. Uh, and I definitely was like I make break something. Like, you know when you walk in somewhere fancy and you feel like you're going to break something? Yeah. I'm definitely, if you haven't noticed with Koi Crimes, uh, <laughs> I'm definitely like aware of, of the world in a way that I'm I'm like they're fancy people. I'm over here in Soho. So We're all doing uh, – uh, Julie Roberts in Pretty Woman walking into a store where they're like, I'm sorry, did you need something? <laughs> it's like, oh, there were areas I was like, I'm that guy. <laughs> uh, but it was a really cool time. We did a tour of London, a Far From Home bus tour. So oh. I got to see Buckingham Palace and I got to see the London Tower and Tower Bridge. And, the Tower of London or uh, the London Eye? The Both. Okay. All, all of them. <laughs> we did a crazy tour of like nine giant locations in London. So I got to see a lot of really cool London. But it was really funny that every time I had free time, I'd gravitate towards Soho. Like Soho just kept calling to me. And nice. that's where Gosh is. Uh, and Orbital Comics is some of the nicest people. It felt like the the it felt a lot like House of Secrets, to be honest. Not to Aww. not to be biased because Amy's in the room, but it please be biased. House of Secrets in California is this amazing comic store where everybody knows your name. And <laughs> they like the pull list feels important and conversations are important and they have back issues. Thank God I need Silver Age books. So uh, Orbital has the same. They have rows and rows of comics. They have back issues on the wall. It's bright yellow and blue. It feels like a comic book store. It's just so everything. And it is John's favorite comic book store, and that was really important to me. And uh, I talked to <laughs> – Holly gave me my to-do list. So I went through and did John and Holly's London, and I met up with Claire, and I saw Aww. Paul. So I, it was a really magical, very special trip for me for so many reasons. That's wonderful. So I got to see John's London. I got to have a Spider-Man tour. It was like I dreamt this trip up, and then I was like, oh, I'm doing this? Okay, I'm, I'm physically there. That's beautiful. If you have a favorite shop in your city, uh, in the imaginary future where Corey and I get to go all around the world, you should definitely tweet at us what your favorite store in your country or city or area is. Let's do a map. Let's do a Collider Heroes, a giant size Heroes comic store map and have like the most requested store in each city. You can't see this, but I just did like steeple hands like a supervillain. And then when we start uh, making... I'm excited. Oh, yeah. Let's... let's <laughs> and then when we actually get the Disney shield checks that people think we get, we will go on this tour. <laughs> Next time we speak well of a movie and then we get that imaginary internet money, we'll go. We'll see you. Uh, but I'd like when I travel, I'd love to see your comic shop. So yeah, I love that idea. That's fantastic. So yeah, London was great. And uh, every, every bit of glory that you expect the cast to be, they are. And the movie is see at the moment you can. Speaking of movies, Red Sonia has found a real director. Nice. 
guys, we're already on. We're on point on the segue game. You were gone. <laughs> we missed you. Uh, I had trouble working, not sleeping into the conversation, you know. Uh, but we're good. We're back on track. And so is the Red Sonja movie. Ooh, nice tangent. Red Sonja has found a director, and that director is going to be Jill Soloway, who directs Transparent, who is an uh, I love her style. Uh, I don't. I haven't seen a lot of Transparent. I will not. I will not claim to have. But what, what I have seen. I think this brings an actual depth to the movie that could be very surface. Red Sonja can go very bad very easily. <laughs> and I'm really glad a woman is directing this film because now it won't be like, look at him boobs. Um, which honestly was my fear. And I want to see a movie that's about a strong female lead who's a superhero, not look at that outfit. Uh, so this is exciting to me. I think it adds a lot of depth to what the movie can be. I'm very glad. We had a bunch of mutant movies for a long time, and we got close to some X-Men movies. I'm less worried about that with Red Sonja. Uh, it is interesting because there's, uh, you know, I'm I'm always open to, like, the right candidate is the right candidate. Sometimes it's going to be dudes. Sometimes it's going to be ladies. But, of course, I'm thrilled that they found, like, particularly given who was about to be directing Red Sonja, um, I was very on board with a new choice for this uh, uh, for this material. And, uh, yeah, I think, like, it is, it you know, there's a certain numbers game to this where it's like when you've made 45, like, vaguely Robert E. Howard-inspired things and none of them have been made by anyone <laughs> from Category X, maybe we work on that. Uh, but, you know, you got to find the right fit. And this one is a fascinating one because I would not have called it, um, but it suggests – you, we talk about this all the time, but it suggests that there was an idea. It suggests excitement. It suggests whenever it's not the obvious pick, it's usually because someone has come in with vision, and I mm -hmm. love that. Uh, I love the idea that someone who has made their name in uh, prestige television that handles serious character drama wants to take on Red Sonja. Yeah. It doesn't mean she wants to turn it into prestige character drama, although if they manage to invest this with a cool dramatic storyline, I'm going to be really excited. But it is, I don't know, it's just a really fun, interesting choice. And I'm excited to see what this movie's going to be. I completely agree. And I, it's funny to extrapolate off just a director, but I think a director really shapes a tone when they have the freedom to do so. And I feel like she wouldn't have signed on to something. Excuse me. Something like this if she didn't have that ability. And, and I will... I, yeah, I, 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 I'm very excitable today. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> but I, I will say the one interesting thing about Red Sonja is that different source material comes with different strengths and weaknesses. In some cases, uh, source material has a particular story that you cannot mess up or you are dead in the water. That's, you know, Lord of the Rings is one of those. Mm -hmm. Like, you you got to get that story right. You can't just be like, look, pretty mountains. Right. Um, there's other things that you adapt where you're adapting a vibe, you're adapting a world, you're adapting uh, an iconic set of imagery, and there's a lot of freedom to sort of add your own things to it. For me, Red Sonja's in that category. It's not like... You have to match the, the exact emotional details I felt when I turned the page and got this from Red Sonja. Um, it's more of a, like, it needs to feel certain ways that feel like Red Sonja. It needs to carry certain senses that remind us of, of classic Red Sonja stories uh, by Roy Thomas, I think, or newer ones by Gail Simone and Amy Chu. Like, a ton of people have left their stamp on this character, but it is a world and a character with a lot of room for reinterpretation, and I that agree. always excites me. Okay. That was I don't totally agree. <laughs> and, and anything else, Simone, if you're listening, Gail, thank you. 
Uh, just everything. But just yeah, just generally thank you. Just thank you. And I also I, thank you for like running Twitter now even more than you already did. So impressive. If you have not been seeing the best nerd moment stories. Oh yeah. Ugh. So I vague booked mine. My best nerd moment was what happened in London, and I couldn't. We didn't hadn't announced it yet. So I, I said my best nerd moment is announced tomorrow because it was like you. trending yesterday. Because <laughs> I I will completely own I was an actor boy uh, before I was a host boy and Jake Gyllenhaal was always one of my favorites and I actually went out for a movie starring Jake Gyllenhaal and made it decently far so then to be in a comic store in a country I'd never been to talking to him about Spider-Man is my best nerd day. Like, that's actually everything to me. Talking acting process and me being able to tell him things that he doesn't know about Spider-Man and talk about, like, a book that doesn't rhyme with Sega. And, like, all of those things is <laughs> is a really unique experience. So my best nerd day is absolutely making Spider-Man into a job and getting to talk to one of my favorite actors about it. I'm so uh, happy. Speaking of Spider-Man, before we get into the next story, I will say, without spoiling a thing, that on the potato scale, Spider-Man is like a... Like a rosemary thyme uh, baked potato chip. Like, uh, you know when you travel, like the chips, like crisps? It's yeah. like that, but like a rosemary and thyme, like a gourmet chip. That's what it, that's what it feels like. I am so hungry and so eager to watch Spider-Man. Uh, two moods that I did not expect to come <laughs> together. Because uh, the foundation is you know Spider-Man, but then it's got different drizzle than you'd expect, and it's got that gourmet sensibility coy. you don't know is coming. And it's got a, this aromaticness, and it's got a little like hint and a surprise as you're eating it, and it all just is so happy and fulfilling. We did not You can't do this to me. <laughs> Far from home. Uh, I love that I have like a system where I can rate a movie without a spoiler now because everyone knows potatoes, and this gave nothing away. So a gourmet... Time and basil. Chip. Oh my gosh. Uh, also in the news, Black Widow. We may have had a role revealed through the strangest of methods. There is, and this is probably not a spoiler, but it's been going around. So if you're completely averse to Black Widow spoilers, uh, plug your ears. I'd, I'd wave my hands, but that doesn't help you. We were just discussing it. We don't have a system for that. Yeah. Oh, who, who was on the podcast with you last week? Sam. Sam? Oh, yeah, that's fantastic. He was delightful. Excellent. Uh, we have to. We have to have him back. Absolutely. Was yeah. there Sam crime? Uh, I, you know, I think we mostly avoided Sam crime. We 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 gotta we gotta get him comfortable here before we can start admitting to Sam crimes. Episode three. <laughs> uh, so that's how long it took for me. It wasn't long. Uh, so we found out through a series of crates seen on set, uh, the name Yelena and <gasps> Yelena. Belova is a very important character to Black Widow, and they think that it will be played by the great Florence uh, Pugh. Is it Pugh? I don't want to say her I last name. I want to say Pugh, but I'm not sure. So Florence Pugh, everyone thinks, is now playing Yelena, and she's so vital to like the Red Room mythology of Black Widow, and she's so like OG Black Widow. And we think this is a prequel. Spoilers. Uh, and we think this is going to go back to those days, and they're filming in Budapest. So I love the idea that the Hawkeye Black Widow Budapest job is this giant moment from like the Red Room catching up to Black Widow, and that's what they've been referencing because what they can do. I've been very averse to finding out what Budapest was. Same. I didn't want to know. I thought it was a great running joke. But what they can do is if a giant moment from her past is reflected in Budapest, it'll instantly bring the prequel into being relative to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Because every time they reference it, you'll have the feelings of like, oh, that discovery we had in Budapest. Mm. So it's a stretch. But it will be the way that I'll be okay with discovering Budapest because I like the vague. I like like imagining how insane it was. Yeah. I've, I'm a big fan of never finding out what Budapest was. But I'm also a big fan of seeing a Black Widow movie. So I'm going to let that one win. <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> Speaking of the um, Black Widow. Oh, sorry. Yeah. And, and I'm very excited about this. If you have not read uh, uh, the – there was – one of my first Black Widow comics actually I think was reading the Marvel Knights run. 
um, which either introduced Yelena or went into her heavily for the first time. I'm not sure exactly how far back the character where goes. I remember her from. If that um, helps. Yeah, it's where many of us met her and may have been actually her first appearance. Uh, it's always a good sign when you can't tell reading something whether someone is like what you know. Someone feels like clearly this is part of the mythology and always has been. Uh, exposition, but, exposition. Hi, I'm new. Well, it's you know, it's just a, it means they fit well into the universe mm-hmm. and the. It's a very natural idea that Black Widow would not be the only product of the system that created Black Widow. Yes. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's it's real good time. So I'm, I'm excited about that. That says good things to me. It says that we're working with Black Widow's mythology. It says that we're bringing in elements from her world in the comics in an interesting way. Uh, and I will be into it. Bringing interesting elements to Black Widow will be Ray Winstone yay! in our next bit of news in that stretch of More a tangent. Like, yay, Winstone. Yay, Winstone. <laughs> More like we win as an audience. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep, that was. Mm. So Ray Winstone is an incredible actor who always appears as like a hard man. He's always, you know, this face. If you don't know the name, you know the face. Uh, I personally love him from The Departed, uh, with my Boston bias in full full display. He is always that guy, but he always is the best of that guy. He's cruel and violent but somehow likable you don't know why you like ray winstone but you always do he's like your really evil uncle and i love that about him so uh i'm very excited for what he's gonna bring to black widow and his name just there's something about the roles he plays where you know a lot of the pieces of a puzzle we're gonna see some organized crime because he's in this and i'm, I'm so, so excited funny if he's like comic relief where ray winstone's like you know what i'm tired of being mean all the time i have range uh let I... me play <laughs> I'm, so now I'm hoping for that. He's Hawkeye's dad. <laughs> After all these years. It is interesting because a wonderful line that they just drop in, uh, I think we're safe for endgame lines at this point, right? Yeah. Um, speaking of which, we'll all get a refresher on them when we go to the theaters again this weekend. Yes, that was uh, one of our sweaty questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, but... It is interesting. I don't expect them to follow up on this, but it is a very interesting seed they planted in Endgame uh, about Black Widow's dad. Yes. I think we'll meet him now that he has a she name just... and she didn't know it. So I'm, I'm really curious. We have to reflect on how she was raised because of that moment. And if you're going to do a prequel, go all the way. Hmm. What if she's – oh, what if Ray Winstone's her dad? But then he still has to die without her finding out his name. Uh, real fun. Real it's gonna fun be, It's going to be something. It's going to yeah, be something, yeah. you guys. Uh, while in the realm of movies, we also found out a very important director is bringing a very important character to us. And that is Taika Waititi. And that is Flash. Ah! Saber of the universe. Can we be sued for this? <laughs> what if they take this down because of our awful singing? <laughs> like our tone deaf Flash is yeah! just enough. Like it's it's close enough. <laughs> What TT? Um. I am so excited about this. Uh, partly because it's just goofy and amazing. Partly you texted me about this. I did. Like usually, Amy and I, if there's big breaking news that we're like, okay, when do we report this? Do we tweet about it? But it was just excited, Amy. Like <laughs> Flash Gordon counts, right? Because I'm always on my crusade that everything is comics, uh, and occasionally I'm forced to admit the things that should be comics aren't comics, so I can't talk about Good Omens every week on this podcast. <laughs> it's a shame. Uh, but what I can talk about is freaking Flash Gordon, who is a comic strip adventure character from the days when that was big business comics. Before comic books were a thing, comic book artists were national celebrities. Yeah. Comic book characters were forefront pop cultural figures. And one of them was Alex Raymond's Flash Gordon. 
uh, we now remember best uh, from that Queen song fronted, incredibly fun, bizarre, wonderful adventure. Yes. Flash Gordon, the animated, the, sorry, the film from uh, late 70s, early 80s? I think so. Uh, I think early 80s because Ted, because uh, there's a lot of Ted. Have you seen Ted? The Marky Mark movie with a little bear? I have not. So, you just called it a Marky Mark movie. I may have. Sorry, okay. Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> The Marky Mark film set in Boston, uh, where, you know, Ray Winstone's at a party. We've transitioned back into Boston with Flash Gordon. Uh, what I am excited about. Wait, say is, Flash Gordon in a Boston accent. I think. I, I, is oh, it just Flash Gordon? Any Boston listener, I'm sorry, I moved out here nine years ago. Anything I do as a character, I apologize. But I think it'd be Flash Gordon. Oh. Because the, the, the Gordon. That's adorable. I, uh,. I really am excited for Flash Gordon and Ted to make a, a benefit out of it. Yes. Uh, but, like, a lot of people know him from Ted because he cameos. Like, the actual Flash is a fixture of Ted. So a lot of— What? He, yeah. And the actor comes back and puts on the suit and cruises around the movie. That actor's like an emergency rescue guy now, which I think is the coolest thing ever uh, because Flash Gordon is coming to save you. And, yeah, life reflected art and it lasted for 50 years. Uh, so you might not appreciate uh, – there's a lot of the Deadpool-style humor in Ted, but all the Flash Gordon stuff you'll dig. Okay. And okay. him doing coke is a piece of art. Oh, uh, So okay. I'm warning you now. I'm, I'm giving all the, the caveats sure. I can. So, also, we uh, famous Flash Gordon uses uh, the way it just stays weirdly important. This movie that like sort of just was a cult hit for a long time, based on a once incredibly famous but obviously not consistently incredibly <laughs> famous character. Uh, it's it, uh, one of my favorite stories is that Edgar Wright spent a significant chunk of the budget on of Scott Pilgrim, not a significant chunk, uh, but a hefty chunk of change from the budget of Scott Pilgrim uh, because there was this insanely high licensing fee to get the flash of the ring of Ming the Merciless, which you hear Amazing. when Ramona's most evil ex shows up. And they, they did. Like, they, it was a real question of, like, are we sure we want to spend this much money just for this sound effect? And they did, and that's what makes Scott Pilgrim the amazing movie it is. Flash is that Gordon. kind of commitment. You don't realize how much it's in your life, because I didn't realize that it was in that movie. <laughs> so Flash Gordon is already a part of you. Whether or not you've seen Ted or Scott Pilgrim or the original Flash Gordon, it's about to come at you from Take Awatiti. Animated, right? Animated, yeah. And I'm really curious, because once again, no budget restrictions and no casting things. You can just play. Did we hear that uh, references to the tonality of Flash Gordon were part of Taika Waititi's pitch for Ragnarok, or did I make that up? I don't want to start a rumor if that's not not a real thing that I heard. Now that you've said it, it sounds familiar, but I don't know if it sounds familiar because it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? It, it, it's so right, it might be make That's the problem I'm having in my memory, is okay. that I'm like, did I make this up, or does it just seem like something that might have happened? Okay, tweeted us, very sorry for this wild misinformation with Amy. It's a different kind of crime. Potato cannon. It totally counts. <laughs> and uh, speaking of saviors with long flowing hair from the 80s, <laughs> oh my God. Steven Seagal was almost Batman. He went out for Batman back in the day. We almost had the dog, the bounty hunter of Batman, and it would have been a very different animal, and it would have been a lot of interesting kung fu, I imagine. I think it would have been more Adam West flavored. Uh, <laughs> I found this out and I just had to include it. I... Yeah. So what was the deal with this? So I don't know where like this suddenly came from, but they Warner Brothers 
wanted Steven Seagal to play Batman to the point where now when he's talking about it, it was almost a thing. It would have been before Michael Keaton, and you could argue that Michael Keaton was just as much of a leap at the time. Obviously, since then, we... Honestly, any serious feature-length Batman movie was at the time or felt like a risk. Right. So the quote is, uh, it is from, <laughs> speaking with Sci-Fi Wire, Sam Hamm, who I don't know, but his name is fantastic. Uh, you is... do know him. He's uh, worked on a bunch of our favorite stuff. Oh, you really? don't literally know him. I don't literally know oh, okay. him. Okay, you do uh... know him. He's outside. Yeah. Sorry. He was at your birthday party. You know Sam? Very rude. His last name is Uh, Ham and he's here. (laughs) We'd like to welcome Sam Ham to the studio. Uh, He's the screenwriter from the 1989 Batman, uh, Mm -hmm. who I just discovered while reading this article. Uh, He said, quote, there was a lot of people at Warner Brothers who wanted to cast it with an action star. They wanted to cast the part as Batman as opposed to casting it as Bruce Wayne. Mm. You have to make Bruce Wayne work because Batman is, for the most part, going to be a stunt guy. Or it's going to be somebody running around in a costume in a long shot. You don't need the martial arts of expertise of, say, Steven Seagal or somebody like that because you can fake all of that kind of stuff. Seagal was one of the people that was suggested to us. That is amazing. Um, yeah. You can get – if you are a studio head and you are trying to put together something bankable and it is the mid to late 80s, you get where this thinking comes from. It's uh, just Van Damme, the Arnold. wrong take. It, it's, like, the, it's the Van Damme era of casting him as Predator. We almost – like Van Damme was cast as the Predator. Wait, and, what? Oh, it's one of the, my favorite Hollywood, like, legends. He was cast as Predator, but then they put him in that silly suit and he couldn't move around. He was like, this is ridiculous. And there's footage of Jean-Claude Van Damme running around the Predator set before. Huh. It's fascinating. But that's that era. They made those kind of choices. Sure. So I can totally understand Seagal almost being Batman if you stretch your mind. And I, that was my weird news of the week I wanted to include. And um, thank you for joining me with that, Internet. It's that's, amazing. It's a whole thing. Uh, moving on to Comics. The opposite side of running around with a ponytail and the happiness that image brings is that vertigo. We we talked about it like three weeks ago. It was I did a rumor not want then. it to be true. Uh, vertigo is no longer a publishing outlet over at DC. They are rebranding everything to be different DC titles. Uh, they're going to have different age brackets. And basically Vertigo as an imprint is no longer Vertigo. So 26 wonderful years, Vertigo brought a lot of the best indie stuff in comics. And uh, it's a bummer. DC this, Black, I think, or something they're calling it. So DC Black Label, uh, mm. which we've talked about before because it's been their home for – it launched this past fall, summer fall, um, for mature audiences' uh, material. But it was – it seemed like at the time it was going to be a home for sort of mature audiences' material that was DC Universe familiar. Like Marvel Knights or Max or uh, – Like Marvel Knights or Max. And that's where we got Batman Damned. Mm-hmm. You will remember oh, from right, right, right. the internet. That was kind of the, the, the kickoff, was the launch it? book yeah. for DC Black Label. Uh, and – what they've said – so here's the the announcement that went out was about a restructuring. Uh, apparently, this does not at present involve cancellations of any books. There are several books right now that are out under the Vertigo banner. Um, but they're going to relabel those books along with uh, the ones that I've been very excited about, the DC Zoom and Ink Young Readers lines. Mm-hmm. Um, they are trying to simplify and reframe all of that branding so that there's DC, uh, DC Kids, and DC Black Label. Uh, so it remains to be seen what that means for a bunch of the like the classics that stay in print if they'll just get new – I don't know yet what that means for like – I assume they'll get new printings or something like that. Yeah. Um, but we don't know all the details for that. My favorite thing this weekend has been uh, – because Vertigo is so special uh, and the history there is so special – there has been a flood this weekend, which if you follow me on Twitter, you've been seeing, of people <laughs> sharing stories from across that history. And, of course, so many of the uh, alumni of Vertigo are out there making comics everywhere all across the industry mm-hmm. 
Uh, so Karen Berger, the founding editor of Vertigo and one of the most important people, I think, in the history of comics, uh, is still making comics. Yeah. She is doing that at Dark Horse under Berger Books. You're probably seeing they did an Anthony Bourdain graphic novel that is getting mentioned a lot right now in the – I think it was his, his birthday or um, – and uh, Shelley Bond, a later editor of Vertigo, uh, has a line called Black Crown over at IDW. Uh, a bunch of the the talent from those books, obviously, Brian K. Vaughn's Why the Last Man was a Vertigo book, and he's still doing long-form storytelling. He's yeah. just doing it at Image. Swamp Thing, which was just canceled in multiple forms. <laughs> well, <laughs> what, I mean, what, what's so besides sad. TV? Wait, what uh, else happened? No, I mean, like, the book's still going, but it's labeled. Like, I just feel like these, like, it just hurts me that we lost Swamp Thing on TV and now they're canceling Vertigo. Because I always, I always thought of Fables and Swamp Thing as Vertigo books. Like, those are the two that Fables, really. Fables, Swamp Thing, Preacher, Sandman, Why the Last Man, Transmetropolitan. It's no small network. It's, I just think of those two. I mean, it. Hunter Bullets. It, it's an unbelievable legacy. Yep, Hellblazer. It has changed the the industry around it. We've had a lot of conversations about how books that we would have thought of as Vertigo books are flourishing at a bunch of different publishers now, uh, and I think that is a great thing. I I don't, you know that that's uh, there's we still have a we have at the at the shop uh, at House of Secrets a a neon sign that sits in the corner that just says Vertigo that's been there like as long as I've been there Amazing. and longer um, and as far as I know we are keeping that thing plugged in forever because uh, the books aren't the stories aren't going anywhere yeah uh, the books continue on as far as they're telling us and it will be still the same caliber of book it's just changing its imprint label I just I love Vertigo so this was a bummer for me and I know Amy does as well Vertigo Vertigo represents a certain kind of book so much so that as Amy said. You, when you read another book of its ilk, you're like, oh, this is a Vertigo book. And it is a bummer. All those titles we just listed changed comic books. So I'm hoping uh, I can now think of DC Black Label as anything but a Johnny Walker title because I think of Black Label as booze. <laughs> but in time, maybe I will feel the same about DC Booze Edition. Uh, now, we also have found out that House of X is representing different eras of X-Men. And this was fascinating to me. Their first cover... I don't know what these books are. It's insane. The, did you see the New York... Uh, uh, Somebody like a giant ad space thing that somebody like, put up in New York, a huge it's wall of House of X. Absolutely gorgeous, and uh, the funniest, sweetest tweet from Pepe Larraz, who gave a compliment to the designer of the ad, and then was like, "Yep, not feeling any pressure at all." <laughs> it was so cute. Yeah, having a picture up in Times Square, like as an actor, I imagine this is the comic book equivalent because holy crap! And it's a giant event. Like they're relaunching the X Men, and this is they're gonna. I assume try to make them the flagship they were in the 90s and bringing someone like Hickman onto a book is definitely going to make some waves. And Do you Hick- see he's been tweeting about X-Men continuity being impossible? Yeah. And it's he's <laughs> not wrong. wrong. So I love that he's like, X-Men continuity is impossible. Cut two. This is the team. We've got Cyclops in his Brian Michael Bendis uncanny slash all new X-Men run, which is that badass X over his eyes. I might not love all of the stuff from Cyclops in that run because Cyclops is the best he's been in a long time right now, but that doesn't matter because the costume is great. Uh, we've got the feline version of Beast from New X-Men which is Grant Morrison's insane run that is still one of my favorites. We've got Gene, and uh, Gene is basically the 90s, like that iconic yellow jacket, Gene Gray. Uh, sorry, iconic yellow and blue, Gene Gray. And then we've got Angel and Iceman from basically the first class era. Like, they're they're OG, uh, they're they're back as far as it gets, but none of these X-Men I mean, ever exist at the same time. I fully Snowman. He's still Iceman. But yeah, like, he's still he's kind of in between yet. I'd yeah. say he's post-original Stan Lee run pre- Claremont in that flavor. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Like Neil Adams. Neil Adams, yeah. <laughs> that's a five different eras of X-Men assembly. So him saying there's no continuity and then throwing this image at us is like, guy. His tweet was complaining about uh, Omega level. Well, not complaining about, but he was like, so this, this much, some, much of this is gibberish. And he's like, I just wrote 5,000 words on when you are and are not allowed to say Omega level mutant. And it made me laugh because I was like, that is an argument that I years ago at the shop sort of put in the like, you know, uh, you take it out of competition because it is an unwinnable, impossible argument, and you put it – it's like an exhibition round argument. You know yeah. what I mean? Where you're like, we can all have fun talking about who's an Omega-level mutant as long as we're all clear on the fact that none of us is right and none of us is wrong. Like years ago, I made that switch with that t- particular topic. So I saw his tweet where he was like, this is gibberish. And I was like, no, it's not. And he's like, Omega-level. And I was like, OK, fine. Maybe you're right, Mr. Yeah, Hickman. maybe a little bit. Maybe. This is – whatever this book is, it's going to have maps. I don't know if you ever put together like the – or, or tried making the maps of story that he did for his Infinity event. Exhausting. You know it's going to be him doing that again. I laid them all out on the floor at one point. It was great. Uh, we're going to be putting on our tinfoil hats to follow this book, and hopefully it will be super worth it. I'm very excited for X-Men to be a prestige book. I'm very <laughs> excited for because X-Men and Spider-Man are what I've collected my whole life. Like That's how – I mean, Deadpool came from those two, very literally. <laughs> so it's kind of my whole thing. So I'm really excited for X-Men to be such a caliber that Hickman is a part of it and the insanity and the press of this is great. Uh, speaking I just, of, and- yeah, I'm just excited for it. I don't hate the stuff that's gone before. I, I, I. It's interesting because I, I usually am in team. Like, you don't have to do some giant cancel everything move. Just make the books really good. But I may have to end up being like, mm, this might be the counterexample. If this works, if this cleans it up, if people like are hopping on board. I mean, it's not like people stopped reading the X Men, but like, if this. If this works, I will eat these words. I would like to this, this to be the example of a clean slate that proves my point wrong. I agree. Mm. If, if this is finally like, that deserves a number one, because, you know, my thoughts are number ones, then this mm-hmm. this will be a great example. Speaking of insane amount of press in a comic book world, Batman <laughs> is getting a star in the Walk of Fame. That's about as much press as someone can get. You are permanently a part of Hollywood when you have a star in the Walk of Fame. And the goddamn Batman is going to have a star <laughs> on the Walk of Fame. I am very excited to visit Batman Star. I am very excited to break a pearl necklace over it and watch it clatter, and that'll be very so fun dark. for me. I, that's what you do over a Batman Star. It's the only move. There's going to yeah. be so many fake I pearls on that star. Will Arnett to do videos as Lego Batman where he narrates things with yes. that star, like just just visit the star. I, I just went on a mental segue when I was like, so dark. And I was just like, yep. That's, Darker. I went straight to Will Arnett Batman. Uh, that is what I want. Please do a series of videos uh, as you get your star in the hall of, on the Walk of Fame. I know what I want. I want them to hire Seal and I want them to serenade the star with Kiss, kiss. from a Rose yes. of the Dead. Yes. While it's being announced, I want that beautiful majesty to happen over the star and then a pearl necklace broken over it. Oh my god. Like a bottle being put on a ship. That is how you christen the star. And then Bat Dance. And then Bat Dance. Uh, what if, oh, oh, can you imagine if they get all the Batmen? Like Michael Keaton, Christian Bale, Ben Affleck, they all like Kevin honor Conroy. the star. Yeah, oh yes. Guys, we have dreams. All it's, the Batman. It's going to be just a very casual thing, and we're like, and then Val Kilmer showed up, and then George Clooney was there to apologize. Oh, not his fault. Not his fault. He, he did put on a bat nipple suit. He didn't design it, but he put it on. Uh, so we also have, in real life, this is one of the most heartwarming stories I have ever had the pleasure of announcing on yes. Giant Size Heroes. There is a high school play format. One act series of plays coming from Marvel. Marvel has officially greenlit 
plays to be delivered at high schools. Fanta! Sam French, if you're an L.A. kid, you know what that name means. Sam French is having plays distributed that are official Marvel canon for this side universe. I thought podcast was going to be the craziest we got with that Wolverine long, long night. But no, no. You can go see a play. We're and literally all ignoring Turn Off the Dark. Uh, it's possibly because I haven't seen it. Uh, but we're like, name. hey, the first time Marvel's ever been in a theater. What an amazing development. I had so forgotten. Well, I think I, I one, had forgotten. Two, this is going to be kids, like, earnestly doing it, like, small town, blah, blah, Have blah. Have kids? Some of them will be earnest. Most of them will be cynical. Some of them will be both, as you explain in your uh, theory of modernity. I, uh, yeah, I think I think that's the balance. And I think it's going to be amazing. And I, I can't wait to see, like, a kid with long hair as Thor. And I can't wait to see the scene from Thor Ragnarok effectively displayed, like, on, on a stage. So they commissioned covers for these to announce them from Erica Henderson, which is always, of course, a quick way to my heart because she's fabulous uh and they announced three titles for these one acts uh that are three three titles and subjects and and creators so marvel spotlight currently features hammered a thor and loki play yes. by tony award winner and comic book fan christian borla i'm reading from the slashville coverage here uh mirror of most value a ms marvel play by masia sari uh as ms marvel finds herself in fan fiction takes on a life of its own Amazing. Yes. Uh, and a squirrel girl goes to college by Karen Zacharias, uh, following Doreen Green as she attempts to live a discreet life at a new school. I hope she's still computer science major. I hope that's still the thing. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm really interested in this, partly because. Uh, you know, new new theater works are so important. We get really interesting ones all the time, but figuring out how to make them accessible, like one of the major ways that people interact with theater is student productions, mm-hmm. essentially. That is a major ground for interacting with the world of performance and narrative in that way and a training ground for actors. Uh, we, as we all know, many of our favorite actors come out of the theater, Tom Holland being a prominent recent example. Absolutely. Uh, and I'm very fascinated to see the kinds of works that come out of this uh, and how much they find use or don't find use in departments and uh, what kind of interpretations people do. I'm curious to see how much the plays stress the elements of action, which are very big distinctive parts of uh, comic book storytelling and not always big parts of theater storytelling. Now, it's very possible to have, like, dramatic, thrilling sword fights in theater. That's totally a thing. You can have, like, combat scenes. Uh, but, you know, it, it is interesting to see whether they're saying, all right, we're going to make this mostly a talking piece featuring those characters or whether they're trying to make something that's closer to the storytelling we are accustomed to with those. I don't know. What do you think they'll do? I think that it's a great opportunity to have, like, the Joss Whedon um, farmhouse scene. I, I want to see these characters get to actually have character behind them. I, mm. I'm hoping it's a smaller contained thing. And I also love the monologues. Yeah, like I, I think the right character has been chosen. I want to see Squirrel Girl on stage. I want to see Miss <laughs> Marvel get her time to shine. And if you're not. I mean, someone has to design a practical tale that's not just good for like a couple of shots where you can have wires out of frame, but that needs to move around on a stage. Young theater designers of the world, your challenge is before you. I am very excited to see how you handle it. Kamala the, is a shapeshifter. You guys made alien work uh, on stage. Ridley Scott saw he had approved this is the next step uh, and also like uh, Brittany Wallach has made an amazing you know Brittany uh, yeah. Matt Keesley she has a great squirrel girl costume uh, so but there's a difference between what you can do at a party and what you can sort of on stage. work on stage 
stage, especially if there's combat scenes and choreography, and there's going to need to be extra, like, and, you know, you have to figure out whether you can budget for two tails in case one breaks. These are the real situations. Y'all, it's theater. So it's serious to Amy. I was very excited to talk about this with Amy because this is (laughs) one of the most Amy-centric stories in the game, especially with Squirrel Girl and Miss Marvel. Also, if you're not reading Miss Marvel, it is a very contained book when it's not out and she's giant because it's talking about her family. It's talking about her life. It's talking about her culture. And it's one of the books where it's it's very much our generation Spider-Man in the type of character she is. But it taught me so much about a culture I know nothing about. And it was really cool to read a book that was exciting and fun, but also informative. So Miss mm. Marvel's a fantastic book. It's one of my favorite pulls. And I'm excited to see that culture get represented on stage for people that might not be aware of it or might not be exposed to it otherwise. So I think it's a perfect choice. Very excited. Speaking of, how do I tangent from that? Speaking of a thing that needs to be have exposure but won't get enough of, Deadly Class is not carrying on. Uh, Rick Remender has tweeted out that Deadly Class will not be moving to a new network, uh, but he said that's perfect because that means that people will be picking up the comics. He said, if you want to see what's after season one, pick up the books. I am a very big Deadly Class comic fan. I'm actually rereading them all. I'm about to jump into volume four. That is, uh, I finished Sex Criminals, so in my three um, volumes plus every weekly book a month, that is my new volume. Uh <laughs> Because sanity. Uh, Deadly Class is an incredible translation. I hope this was a premature tweet, but I trust Rick Remender. Uh, It's about to debut in the UK. It is a show that truly, to me, captured the flavor of the comic. It also has one of the best episodes. It was startling how close it was. How faithful to the tone is it? Frame by frame. And uh, the episode in Vegas, uh, the comic of that Hunter S. Thompson love letter that the comic was, they truly (laughs) translated that Hunter S. Thompson love into the show. And it is... Uh, let's see. How do I? If someone were to say experiment with certain substances, it translates beautifully. Koi crimes. So koi crimes. Koi crimes are back. It is very impressive how they captured certain things that one might see altered in camera use, and I'm very <laughs> impressed with the show because it's a very hard thing to capture imaginary things. So it is very cool, and I'm not condoning any of these choices, but Koi you should watch hears the show. That, that was really well done. Koi has a friend yeah, who I says know a guy. That, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and this guy said it was an impressive translation. So uh, instead of doing things that are illegal, watch the show, because it translates, is what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, and I, there's new issues of the comic. I believe there's one out this week. Issue 39 comes out this week, so it is always continuing on. The characters are great. The show was impressive. Check out season one. Maybe if you watch it enough, they'll revive it. You, you, dear listener, can save Deadly Class. So keep watching, uh, and I keep reading the comics because Deadly Class is a lot of fun. This was one of my favorite stories, too. There's so <laughs> many, like, this was not the biggest week in news, but there's so many, like, trinkets of hee <laughs> Too good not to talk about. Cameron Cuff, who was on the on the show, like, two weeks ago, a week ago, who is freaking awesome. Delightful. Plays Kal-El's grandfather, mm-hmm. and he plays him with such a fun empathy and charm, and I love his relationship with Zod. He is the grandfather of Kal-El, and my Kal-El is Henry Cavill, and my Kal-El did a certain iconic move in Mission Impossible wherein he loaded his fists like a gun, and you know where he learned that? From his grandfather, because on Krypton, Cameron Cuff cocked his hands like his grandson Henry, and it made me so freaking happy. If you haven't seen this on Cameron's Twitter, there is a gif, a side-by-side pop-pop of him loading his fists, and if you this is a podcast, but I'm doing it. I'm doing yeah, it a lot in the you room. Imagine it like, with your hands. <laughs> it's so good. It's He's very carefully best. not hitting the microphone, and I'm impressed because I would not be succeeding. Uh, there's a I coffee, there's that. a mic. I'm yeah. doing it's incredible. Your dex check is off the charts. Uh, but yeah, Cameron Cuff is delightful. I've met him a couple times now over at DC Daily. He's a huge comic book fan. 
Huge nerd. Tim Drake's favorite uh, DC char- like one of his favorite DC characters. We had a whole conversation about what Robins work best and what. It's 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 real fun to watch someone like that. Uh, like I, I'm, I'm always, I always try to stress that it's totally fine not to be a like a pre-existing fan of the material. You're hired for your ability to do a role, and what matters is what you do once you get there, and how you bring life to it, and how seriously you take the challenges that are before you now. Yeah. That's really important to me. But it doesn't mean I don't also do a happy dance if it turns out you're Cameron Cuff and you fully appreciate what it is you're doing yes. and the re- legacy that you're part of, and you were born to do this. It's amazing. So uh, you know, load your fists like guns, watch Krypton. It's fantastic, <laughs> and then watch Mission Impossible, then watch more Krypton. Uh, we also found out this week that the Spider-Verse sequel, which is very confirmed, will connect to the TV shows even more definitively. It was like it was an all but confirmed rumor, but now we have an actual quote. Uh, Jermaine Lucier over at Gizmodo has a great article talking about it. Uh, Amy Pascal said, we are definitely hard at work on the sequel. You can expect another movie. And then she also broke the news that we're doing some television and all these things have to make sense together. I think we have some fantastic shows that we're doing and we're just putting them together now. I... Like, Spider-Verse changed my life. Hard stop. Like, mm-hmm. it's truly a once-in-a-lifetime experience. It it did what Toy Story did for animation for me. It changed things. And it happened to be Spider-Man. So, <laughs> like, good God, do I love that film. So to hear that we're getting both TV and a sequel is, like, how did... I'm still waiting to wake up, guys. I'm still, I'm still on my way to London, and none of this is real. <laughs> We've got a couple more quick hits on this. Uh, I love... Okay, I'm going to call out Koi now for the rundown that he made because I love this... <laughs> Next line. Uh, even Kevin Feige's vague booking is exciting. <laughs> Re-Marvel Future. That's the note that's in our notes for this podcast. If you wonder if I type like I talk, yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> My texts are paragraphs, and I'm sorry to anyone that's friends with me, because I'm not that guy that sends like, yes. I'm the guy that sends like, yes, oh my god, I'm so excited. Here's some caps, here's some lowercase, and this is how I do notes. So, <laughs> even Kevin Feige's vague booking is hype, 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 hype. Uh, Kevin Feige generally discussed Fantastic Four and X-Men. He said nothing because he's Kevin Feige. He's very good at saying a lot and nothing simultaneously. So in 10 years when we look back, we're like, oh, that's what he was implying. Mm-hmm. So he said, quote, we were waiting for Avengers Endgame to drop and for Spider-Man Far From Home to be released. And now, very shortly, we'll be peeling back the curtain and talking about the future. That is literally a series of words. That just means get excited. Yeah. And I did. And he, he was like, and isn't it nice to be able to have characters? <laughs> and I'm like doing a dance of joy because all he's really saying is, you know, like, oh, we get to have these conversations now. But it's just like, then you immediately start imagining Kevin Feige being like, what are we doing with the Fantastic Four and X-Men? A real conversation he gets to have right now. He's it's walking off times. that stage and he knows things. And that's yeah, what, that's so, what... okay, wait. Have we de- made our definitive guesses as to like when... I always hoped that we would get the lineup. Like, we knew it wouldn't happen until Spider-Man. And I was like, Spider-Man is right before Comic-Con. I hope it's Comic-Con. Now, Smarter Money was on D23. Sure. And a third option is a totally standalone thing. And a fourth option is no big slate announcement at all. Uh, so, because they've done, like, the, the third option would be closer to the, the Phase 3 rollout we got in, like, 2014. Sure. Um, a separate press and fan event where they announced all this stuff. Uh, okay, five options. <laughs> the fifth option is investor phone call. Like they did with Disney Plus. It's not the ideal. It's not the friendliest. But like we're not mad about anything we heard about Disney Plus, so we all can roll with it. I um, feel like it, it's so showy. So it's not. I don't think investor phone call. I think Disney Plus is. I think Disney Plus was able to do an investor phone call because at the end they were like, it's almost free. 
Like six ninety nine a month, they're like, you, you save one sandwich and you make it at home, you can afford it. Okay. And so to me, that's a different thing. So A, Comic-Con. B, uh, D23. C, Standalone. D, uh, Investor Event. E, No Big Announcement. Koi wants E. Koi yeah. thinks we'll get A. Okay. I think I think it's going to be Comic Con. I think they're going to differentiate themselves. Like Disney owns us in <laughs> such a way that they are saving. Toy Story just came out, and then Spider Man's coming out in a week and a half, and then they've got to make sure they've got enough cleaned up for Lion King. Yeah, Disney's got it's enough. Ridiculous. What I would do if I was Disney is I would have D twenty three be for the non Marvel stuff and use Comic Con like Comic Con. They're freaking Frozen two's coming out. Like I, when I saw Toy Story, which is. Amazing, by the way. There was a little girl behind me that during the Frozen 2 was like, that looks scary. I don't want to see that. And I was like, oh, this trailer got me because it's a very like a mature take on it. So they have even my side of the audience, like my demographics in and Toy Story and Lion King. So I think D23 should stay if I were smart money would keep that over there because they can't announce as much as they need to. So use Comic-Con for the comic folk. Use D23 for the Disney stuff because you own the whole year now. (laughs) I hope it's Comic-Con. My money had been on D23. Um, because I, I wanted it to be Comic-Con very much, but, like, the last couple of years, D23 yeah. has been more... I've been like, I reluctantly accept these corporate realities. <laughs> uh, but that's... Yeah, that's my split vote. Uh, and, you know, I... you You have pitched me on the slate-less version of events, and I think... I really see the logic there, but I also am very excited to get a freaking slate. I have a question for you. What? How much do you know about Far From Home? Friggin' nothing! How much more excited are you to see it? I mean, I would Oh, there it is, Internet. Know nothing. Enjoy content. Uh, My next story is (laughs) Zack Snyder's – oh, no, we're going to get to that one because actually I think Amy should read the the blurb because it's also funny to me. Uh, (laughs) Superman Flyby was a movie that almost happened. And Peter Ramsey, yes, Spider-Verse, yes, Oscar-winning Peter Ramsey was an artist for the storyboards for Superman Flyby. People work on everything. It's crazy. How cool is that? Like that animator who changed the game was changing the game back in the day. Mm-hmm. So he released some flyby storyboards. Uh, it's hard to talk about an image, so you should check them out. It's just really cool to see what that Superman might have been. Uh, as always, any bit of Superman that we get, I'm excited to hear about. So check out the flyby storyboards, and then what do we got next? Uh, oh, you, I was like, what blurb? I Okay. This is, again, Corey blurb. Uh, Zack Snyder continues to keep Vero in business. Uh, which, probably the truth, teases more canceled New God's plans. So I wrote that because I feel like every time there's a Vera board meeting, Zack Snyder, okay, I almost made five movies for DC. What can I reveal next? So Vera- Is he, like, involved in the company? If he's not, he should buy stock. Oh, okay. I was like, is that a thing we know? It- it's... Yeah, no, no shade if you are on and love Vero. Oh, no, I no. just don't know anything about it, and I only think about it when we get news from Zack Snyder. Zero shade. I, I, I'm on it. I just haven't used it except for to read Zack Snyder quotes. Okay. So, like, it's a very interesting thing that he uses this uh, platform to tease news. Instead of, like, doing interviews, instead of doing, like, press, like, Vero is a hub of Zack Snyderverse. So I love that we got some more New Gods ideas. We found out that uh, Desaad was one of the voices we heard in Justice League that was going <laughs> to turn into a much bigger thing. Uh, he had this giant five-movie plan that turned into three movies? Superman, BBS, Justice League. Yeah. So, I mean, there was, a, there was going to be a lot more Snyder. Uh, I know very little about it. I'm I'm not of the, the, the Snyder Cut knowledge. Like, I know there's people that know so much about the Snyder Cut. I'm not one of them. But I thought this was great uh, for Snyder fans to know that Desaad is the voice we heard and that we almost got so much New Godsy stuff. And I'm really curious about Tom King's New Gods with Ava DuVernay and what Ava's bringing to it because I feel like Ava DuVernay's world building is going to give us such a freaking rich New Gods landscape. So comparing really those two, I'm fascinated. But if you haven't checked it out, head over to Vero. 
and find out. Yeah. What- um, we Do also, that. I just, I just, I never said Vero except for Zack Snyder's senses. Yeah. Uh, we had a comic pull list this week that was full of some crazy. We've only got about five minutes left of show, but. Let's see, what did we not get into on the show? Because we told you that you need to be rewriting, uh, and I even shortened it for this. Spider-Man Annual Presents Peter Porker, The Spectacular Spider-Ham, I believe is the full title. Amazing. Um, it's just a standalone. And Annual, we talked about it here, is like an oversized standalone issue that usually is just like a story that fits in with continuity, but you don't need to read it between issues 14 and 15. Yeah. That kind of thing. Uh, and this one is very exciting because Jason Latour, who, of course, was writing Spider-Ham when he brought him back in the pages of, uh, of Spider-Gwen, and uh, has has recruited some friends, some friends who know a little thing about Peter Porker, and their names are Lord and Miller, and they're writing uh, for this comic because we live in the future, and I love it. Lord and Miller are working on a comic book. Their sensibility is perfect for comics. I cannot wait for this book. I'm very excited. Our next book we talked about on the show, but Ed Piscor is is his grand design books are all perfect. Uh, you should check this out. Extinction Number Two is out this week. He's an incredible storyteller. Dial H for Hero is one of your picks. Yes. Sam was on this podcast last week. We talked a lot about Dial H, which recently got extended from six issues to 12, and which includes the wonderful premise that comes from the classic comics that you can turn the dial and get different heroic personas, Mm -hmm. but which they take to a whole new level in this book because when that happens, the whole book turns into the style of the hero. Uh, and this incredible artist, Jokinonis, just transforms his whole thing and becomes several different incredible artists. I literally checked the credits to be like, who's doing these insert pages? This is great. Who did Amazing. they get for that? It's him. It's all him. He's like putting on one of those actor who transforms into a million different, like, he's a, he's a, uh, Who's a classic like Peter Sellers? Who does that? Uh, one of these insane, oh my God, you were all 50 parts performances. But from an artist on this book, which is a love letter to the history of comics, to different heroic personas, and is telling a wonderful story about trying to keep the power out of the wrong hands. And this, uh, our, our adrenaline-seeking hero, who uh, they're on a quest to find Superman, and it's taken them through the old Detroit headquarters of the Justice League. That's happening this week. We also have two miniseries ending, two giant event books. We've got War of <laughs> The Realms number six, which is basically ugh, Jesus, how do you even Jason Aaron has been working on this story for ten years, laying groundwork. It is his giant epic. Imagine if Lord of the Rings and and Game of Thrones invaded the MCU, and imagine Punisher fighting elves. That's the that's the the simplest description I can give you for the amount of hype. Uh, Tom Taylor wrote my favorite of the one-offs in it, where Spider-Man's riding a Pegasus and he's got a helmet on where he can speak to it, and just seeing him neigh at a horse. <laughs> I am in love with how weird this is allowing us to go with the Marvel Universe. So War of the Realms is ending with issue six. It is fantastic. And then a book that is completely opposite because it is the gritty, it is the fighting, it is the hyper-violent side of comics. It is Rob Liefeld's Major X number six. It is a a book 30 years in the making where Rob had this idea that he's been developing for 30 years that it's like the John Wick of comic books. It's got this rich mythology of insanity that is hyper-violent. There's so much punching and kicking, and and it's that flavor of comic, which... uh, I dig, and it's definitely Old Man Cable gets introduced in this issue, and Old Man Cable I'm fascinated by. So that drops this week, and that concludes the Major X run, which is sold out every issue, and some of the second prints have sold out. But look out for number zero. Put your orders in with your store now. Just Again, I was just doing the previews, which is the, the two months ahead orders, and yeah. uh, zero's in there. So And zero ties into some old Deadpool Wolverine mythology. Just so you guys know. So it's definitely worth picking up. Definitely get your uh, orders in for zero because it's going to sell out. Faux show. Uh, we've got a few Twitter questions. Going to get through the ones we can as quick as we can. All right. First up, Jeff Lee at The Wizard Jeff. 
Uh, Koi and Amy, hi guys. In a few months, I'll be the father to a little girl. Congratulations! And right? Congratulations, that's so exciting. A little sweaty. Uh, I want some comics for her to read when she's older with some strong female characters and arcs. What and who should I be looking at? P.S. You guys are the best. Thank you. And congratulations. Yeah. Uh, I would say my, my number one draft pick would be the Unstoppable Wasp book because it is very all-ages friendly. It is very pro-science, very pro-education. The animation, the animation, the art style is very, like, uh, accessible and animation-driven. And it's very young. And it's also about being a smart girl and assembling a group of smart girl friends. And I love everything about it. And it encourages intelligence. And it'll be perfect for her. So Marvel's killing it on this front. They got that. They got Squirrel Girl, they got, uh, when she's ready for, like, teen stuff, Ms. Marvel, Kamala Khan, is amazing from the beginning, all great stuff, uh, it'll be a while, you know, she's not gonna be like, high school drama, uh, but, uh, that's those are classic stories and they're going to be waiting for on the DC side the DC superhero girls are fabulous and back on the Marvel side again oh oh, the Lumberjanes in the indies you're going to want Lumberjanes it's girls at camp fighting monsters it's wonderful Uh, there's so much good stuff out there she'll be ready for Raina Telgemeier eventually that'll make her fall in love with storytelling and we'll have her for life so that works out even Bendis just shouted out Raina and Lumberjanes with this same question and I'm so like happy to see it Uh, they're all amazing stuff they're about to launch in all ages specific Captain Marvel comic. Hasn't come out yet, but our buddy Sam Maggs is writing Marvel Action Captain Marvel. Long title, weird. Marvel Action is a phrase right now that means we're doing a line aimed at all ages. There's a Spidey book, there's an Avengers book, and there's about to be a Captain Marvel book. Uh, and then DC yeah. Kids is going to be very accessible as well. So when you have – like DC Kids will have a line just for you and then Marvel All Ages has a line just for you. So look for those imprints. Look for those icons and it's safe. And then also the ones we just listed as, as specifics. Heck, yeah. Thank uh, you. And then we will jump to our sweaty question of the week and we'll get – Flaming Monkeys, we'll get to you – oh, no. Flaming Monkeys are sweaty question of the week. It is going to be – I added it just now. Uh, <laughs> any details in the end game re-release? Do we just buy ticks to any screening? Is additional stuff to all screenings or just a few in which one? There's no indication on Fango. Also vague when the – actually starts happening help i put this as the sweaty because we're living in a time where everything is so sweaty that the re-releasing this is insane yeah this information i don't think has been released yet so i don't I think they've started to tell us what's there yes um so as this podcast releases on thursday what we're taping it ahead of time uh so i believe they've told us that there's a an unfinished deleted scene there's a, a hello from the russos there is a tease for far from home mm-hmm. i think those are the things that you're getting I assume that they will find a way to clearly mark, but it's supposed to be this coming weekend, I believe. Now, usually theaters get their new prints on Thursdays for that evening. So look for any sort of indicator starting on Thursday, as in the day you're hearing this. Uh, so Thursday right now, look for that indicator. And if not, call your theater because it's going to have a different runtime, so they'll definitely know. But I assume they're going to mark it and look for that poster of the gauntlet because that's going to be how they're indicating which screening is what. Uh, and that should start Thursday, maybe Friday. And please support it. Because that's so cool. And also, uh, Endgame is very... And they're going to get it to that line without Koi having to do crimes. Yeah, no crimes. Legally getting things accomplished. Even better. Uh, And watch Endgame uh, definitely leading into Far From Home so you have the best five and a half hours ever. Uh, All right, guys. uh, This has been a very dense, full of fun week. I can't believe (laughs) Steven Stagall made the cut. Uh, Until next week, read lots of Saga. We ran out of time to talk about Saga. There was so much insanity to talk about. I am 12 issues from the end, and I'm very worried about what hiatus is going to do to my brain. There might be more Koi crime. Uh, Until next week, Hull. Stay sweaty. Stay sweaty. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. Ah. 
Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Give the gift of choice this season with multi-store cards at giftcards.com. With multi-store cards, treat them to dinner, movies, or shopping on one convenient card. Featuring all your favorites like Macy's, Alta, and Lululemon. It's a great gift card everyone will love. For last-minute gifting, choose the Happy Holidays or Holiday Favorites e-gift, delivered straight to their inbox. Purchase multi-store cards today at www.giftcards.com slash multi-store.